Hello, everyone. Welcome to Calling uh, Useful Idiots. Uh, sorry, I didn't have the link in earlier, but um, glad to be here with all of you. And uh, I took off last week because it was July 4th. And um, yeah, we're here now. Let's see. Anyone have any uh, questions or comments? One second. All right, no one yet. Where's Sunday? Where are my regulars? I did take off last week. All right, we got some more people coming in. Uh, did everyone have a nice July 4th? It's a little problem. It's a problematic holiday, but you do get some time off, which is nice. Um, what else? Let's see. Uh, I had a good one. Got to see my parents' dog, Bodie. She's good. She had a little health scare, but she's back on the mend. Hiya, Katie. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Hi, this is William. Um, I listen to your show. I I think it's important. I just read an article. It's not only uh, BlackRock, but Chase Morgan that's teamed up with them to fund basically the rebuilding privatization of Ukraine. And uh, you're familiar with that? Uh, no, I have not really. Not the details. Yeah, well, that's the plan. And uh, as you know, whenever they privatize anything like the railroads, <laughs> you know, uh, we see what happens. Um, uh, so the, our, our regulatory bodies are clearly corporate captured. That, that's a segue, too, into uh, the latest out of East Palestine and um, OxyVinyl uh, saying uh, three times that there was no need over several days to light up the their cars. Um, I, have you followed up on that at all regarding? No, tell, tell us what's happening there. Well, uh, there were several NTSB National Transportation Safety Board meetings. Uh, I can't. I lost track of time within the last say ten days. And basically, OxyVinyl that owned the material, the vinyl chloride in uh, five um, tanker uh, railroad cars. Uh, said that they had been monitoring the temperatures and the temperatures after a short spike were going down. Um, with the temperatures going down, that would indicate the temperatures in the tank that there was no chemical reaction happening, what they call polymerization, that would cause those tanks to explode. So that doesn't, wasn't happening. And also they have these relief valves, Katie, to release pressure, you know. They were functional. So basically, that's what came out in the hearings. Uh, the other curious thing is that the EPA uh, photo of the derailed cars and then diagram of what cars had what in it, from what I see, it counts for 22 cars that had derailed with toxic hazardous material in there, uh, holding 25 to 30,000 gallons per car. That's a bunch of 660,000 gallons of material. What happened to it all? You, you know, I'm at, it's a hypothetical question. Well, it's not hypothetical. It's a direct question, but we're not getting answers right. on that. Um, 
uh, we know there were two burn pits and we saw the plume. There were actually two burn pits. And you and I have talked about this in the past regarding to have an excavator in there digging burn pits means there was no imminent threat of explosion because they wouldn't risk someone's life to do that. So, and at the standard protocol for anyone who doesn't know, it's against EPA guidelines to actually have an open burn like that. And it's to uh, basically bring in uh, tanker cars that are designed to uh, hold that material and export it, to export the material. Now, that apparently was called, those uh, tanker cars, uh, trucks, trucks, were called in on a Friday evening. The incident happened Friday, uh, on Friday, and that, was, that didn't happen. So this is what's coming out in the hearing. Uh, and as you know, um, uh, uh, Jordan Sheridan has been following up on that with status quo. But that's the latest on that. And uh, the other thing is I want to mention quickly, because I know you're going to have other callers, and, you know, let me know how much. The, okay, we, the new movie that's out now regarding the sex trafficking of children, right? And I think you know where I'm going to go with this. We talked about the Catholic Church before. Yeah. Is this a Mel um, Gibson thing? I'm sorry, go ahead. What? Tell me about this movie. I, I saw Mel Gibson was, like, trending on Twitter. Yeah, he produced it with a Christian... Uh, uh, gosh, you know, I've got the name of the production company, a small Christian production company. Okay. And it's, a, it's about okay, the cartels about trafficking. Tell, tell us about it. The Sound of Freedom. It's, it's about, um, the sex trafficking of children. Uh, the, the, this multi million, if not billion dollar industry actually that's happening all over the world. Um, you know, they, they, Obviously, illegal sex trafficking, uh, cartels involved, illegal cartels in Central America, throughout the world, actually, Ukraine, everywhere. And um, there's evidence of, of uh, you know, the UN uh, peacekeeping force, there was charges brought against um, a bunch of their workers for sex trafficking, uh, child protective services, all the alphabet agencies for have had uh, uh, allegations of this happening. The uh, Child Protective Services, UN, World Health Organization had same allegations. Obviously, the Catholic Church, the Mormon Church, the uh, 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 Evangelical Church, even the rabbinical, uh, the Jewish, uh, they've all had this problem. Um, and I want to mention, you know, this is multi-layered. We have a president who, Tara Reid, escaped went to Russia fearing for her life and her we know her her mom called in real time to the Larry King show uh, called and said my daughter's son staff you know about that then we have another presidential candidate who's been uh, found liable for uh, sexually assaulting uh, 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 help me out what's her name Jean Carroll and and who bragged about doing that in the Access Hollywood uh, uh, tapes remember and and not to mention, he was a direct, uh, not only associate, but business associate, uh, socially and business with Epstein. And so what I'm getting at is this is systemic and systematic throughout all aspects and layers of culture. And the thing is, we have a DOJ and an FBI that's complicit, along with the all branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial, Katie. I mean, this is self-evident. This can happen on this scale. So it's, it's, 
it's a bigger, what I'm trying to bring a voice to is the bigger picture. Yes, the cartels. Yes, it's evil. Yes, there's this trade. Yes, but then there's agencies that should be regulatoring and monitoring. And, and where, where have they been? You know, where have they been all these decades? They're complicit. And there was actually, I forget the woman's name. I got to research this again. I read it. You know how it is. You read so much material in so many different areas and we're overwhelmed with it today. I mean, thank God we have the internet, but to the degree we have, uh, uh, an internet that's not, uh, encumbered by the State Department. And, oh, oh, that brings up another point. I, I, I listened to, uh, uh, J, uh, Robert F. K. Jr. talk about the Smith Modernization Act. Do you recall? I brought that to your attention. I don't remember how long ago, Katie, on the, uh, amendment to the Smith Month Act of 1948, the smith Month Modernization Act of 2012, uh, uh, Obama signed that, then got baked into the National Defense Authorization Act, which uh, lifts the ban on the State Department working through all media forms, uh, like Twitter, like Facebook, like the mainstream media, like they've been doing, to influence the, the uh, uh, domestic propaganda. And, uh, that's the Smith month, month. It's M-U-N-D as in David T, uh, Modernization Act of 2012. And that also allowed our State Department to actually fund this propaganda and provide funds for this type of thing. And so, um, keep in mind, the National Defense Authorization Act took away habeas corpus, which is your, by the way, your, anyone that's not familiar, is your right to due process in criminal proceedings. You can't, that, took away so they could detain anybody. We see it with the Yahuras, right? They got charged, right. detained. I don't think they're still in prison. Uh, uh, that, 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 usually domestically you get arrested and released uh, uh, either on bail or with a promise to appear. But, uh, but uh, uh, when we're talking about Gitmo, where Ron DeSantis was a lawyer of supposedly four of those detainees, they had no rights because of uh, the National Defense Authorization Act and the actions of our government. So we're, we uh, don't we live, Katie, in this bizarre reality where the messaging we're brought up with is all about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, equal under the law, your right to due process, yada, yada, and the mainstream media press propaganda. It's all a grand psychological deception, right. isn't it, if you think about it? So what is your it's like theory this with the with the East Palestine? You think it's a, a cover up of what? Oh, to me, uh, I, I, well, apparently, according to Biden, the EPA was there within hours of the derailment. Now, the EPA is a regulatory body; they're the ones who are supposed to be making the decisions, right? You don't have to leave it up to Norfolk Southern and their decision yeah. to. That's insane, but because we're so corporate captured, this is what happened. And uh, when you have oxyvinyl chlorides uh, saying, no, no, there's no need to do this, and they go ahead and do it, then one has to question, what's the motive for that? It's actually a, a crime against humanity because you light those chemicals up and release dioxins uh, uh, and uh, phosgene, toxic gases uh, that poison people. These are... They get away with this all the time, though. I mean, uh, look at Bhopal in, uh, in India, uh, the explosion there. Um, this, oh, my God. And so the motive. Okay, what's the motive 
for this is to free up the. Uh, what they did was they lit up these. Uh, they, well, let's put it this way: I'm I'm kind of excited and, and I'm upset, you know, with everything, um, uh, because to to export that material, we like I said, twenty two cars. Uh, that takes time and money, and you that you got to bring the trucks in. And when you're talking up to thirty thousand gallons per per rail tanker car, that's that's a lot of material. Six hundred thousand gallons of all forms of different chemicals. Um, that would inhibit the transit of uh, the opening of the rail. It's all about time, uh, time, uh, cost benefit analysis for them. Does that make? Do you hear what I'm saying? It's a cost-benefit analysis decision. I, I just don't get what they're getting from this. Well, what they get from it is they get they got to open up the rails a lot sooner, and uh, and and move that uh, the the open up those rails uh, until now they shut down half. And what they're doing is they're remediating all the material under the rail, uh, half a rail at a time, leaving one side open, shutting down the other. So what they did was they, they, it appears clearly they dug two burn pits and lit this material up rather than export it properly. To expedite the opening of the rails, what they did was they then backfilled over that, those pits, once they burned everything, and then they opened the rails up again. And now what they did, they got the rails open, see? And now they're shutting down one side at a time to remediate all the contamination that they buried. Because when you dump into burn pits, they're unlined, Katie. So that that toxic material is going to soak into the soil like a sponge. You see what I mean? And that material in East Palestine, uh, material has different strata and structure. Some are more sandy than others. If you have a high clay content, things don't percolate very fast. The higher your lower your clay content, the higher your sand content, the faster things percolate. Well, in East Palestine, there's a very low clay content and high sand content where you have a what's called a rapid migration of material, uh, of, 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 of any f liquid. Does that make sense? Like on the beach, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, okay, so, so what did they get out of it? First of all, they never... It's all a cost-benefit analysis anytime you see something like this happen. To them, Norfolk Southern, the money uh, gained by opening the rails and not losing by closing them exceeds, in their mind, clearly the decision, then shutting them down for the protracted period that they would have had to do that. Right. And, and then who pays the social cost? Do they think about this. EPA steps in. Now the taxpayer dollar is paying the, the, the actual environmental cleanup costs and Norfolk Southern may be sued. But it's always whether, if you notice, it's the, the cost that they take on is always a fraction. Right. Of what they. Make. Oh, yes. And, and then the health and the health social costs they never absorb. You see, that gets passed on to you, me, or anybody else who lives in that area, in an area that's a sacrifice zone like that. And there's many all over the country, all over the world. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So the, the, this, this is just a predatory system we have that is where that they buy out the House and Senate. They buy out all levels of government. You know this, the lobbying and the corporate capture. 
And it's an evil, predatory system that people suffer. Now, when all those chemicals burn, and you're talking that volume goes up in the air with all those particulates, it has to come down. Right. And it's and depending on the winds, uh, the atmospheric winds, you know, for that period, who knows? I mean, what should have, what should have been happening, we can see by the testing that was not done, is that dioxin should have been tested for immediately. That didn't start happening from what I understand. I forget the time frame, but it took months to get dioxin to be tested uh, by EPA. And then it, over what area? The whole Ohio Valley, Ohio River Valley, obviously should have been tested. And then depending on the atmospheric winds, and I'm not a meteorologist, but that, you know, should have been tested. Because that falls out. What does it do? It's a... It gets into the soil, into the, the surface water, right? Then the soil where crops are grown. And then it migrates down to the groundwater with rain and things like that. And then where crops are grown, eventually we eat those crops. And the livestock eat the grasses. And you see, so it's a chain that builds up over time. So the other interesting thing is that uh, DeWine just declared, uh, hang on a second. You know, I took. There's so much to remember here. Governor it might get. DeWine. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm just telling people, Governor Dewine. Yeah, Governor Dewine. Thank you. Yeah, he. Um, I'm. What I'm doing right now. I'm looking through my gallery of photos because there's too much to, to keep between my ears. You know what I mean on all these issues. But Governor Dewine issued a, a, a FEMA uh, uh, declaration. But this is how five months later. Yeah. Um. Uh, and it wasn't, uh, there's two forms. God, I got so many photos in here, Katie. You know, I try and keep up on so many things going on in the world. I'm a little overwhelmed right now. I'm a little nervous. But but study that, what DeWine did because, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, this has been very informative. I want to make sure we give chance to other people on the line. Oh, good. Thank you. So you're going to be doing Tuesday, right? Is that right? Uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern yeah, time? I have an this week it's an interview with Glenn Greenwald about his late husband David Miranda. David Miranda. That's okay. Um, um, people want. By the way, people can. I release my live show with Brianna Joy Gray. You can get that at Patreon for people who are, want to see that or listen to that. Patreon.com slash Katie Helper Show. Okay. Can I just say two quick things? Yeah. Look, Brianna was on uh, on the hill. Right, is that her show she does, I think, yeah. The Hill? Yeah. And she's, her and the other libertarian young fella, I'm 62, yeah. So it's all relevant, right? <laughs> but anyway, they seem to not be sure what this, what RFK Jr. was talking about regarding the Smith-Montac. If you talk to her, you may want to clue her into what that, what, what he was talking about, you know, as I described earlier. And, um, Oh, I noticed your call-in show from the most recent one. I didn't see it up, uh, call-in live. I have to make sure I publish it. I may not have published it by accident. There's always this annoying delay, and then so sometimes I get distracted, but I'll publish it. Thanks, Katie. Good. Thank you for taking the call. I didn't do one last week. I took off last week. Great. I'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Bill. You're welcome. Bye. Square. Hey, Square. Hey, how are you? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks. Cool. Um, I don't know if this is the case for like other people on the call, but for some reason, at least for me, like your voice is coming across a lot quieter than 
the person calling in. So just oh. wanted to okay. give you a heads up on that. Uh, but it might just be something weird on my phone. Maybe, but, because, uh, oh, maybe because my air conditioner is on, which maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was just like thinking, I've been thinking about like the um, cluster munitions and yeah. how it seems like it's the first thing that like some element of like the West is doing that's getting like any kind of sort of notable pushback from like other yeah. parts of the West. Um, and like, I'm not trying to say at all that like cluster munitions aren't like horrific like um but it seems like there's been plenty of other really awful things that the west has done or has supported or that like ukraine has done or is doing in an ongoing way and i'm just like really puzzled by like why this is like the thing that seems to be finally generating like some kind of negative response um like not just in the u.s but also like i think like annalena baerbach in germany like said something against it, like, we can't support this. And I think that maybe other European countries too. So I was just curious your thoughts or like anybody else who want, has thoughts about it too. That's a good question. I mean, I guess it's just like flagrant um, hypocrisy that it's hard not to notice it because, you know, the U.S. has called out uh, Russia for using it and now they're actually supplying it to Ukrainians. So maybe it's yeah. just, but, but you're right. The media is, is good at like turning the other way usually. Yeah, like they could just not be making a story out of it or whatever. Covering it, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe they also think that Americans care less about this than about arming Nazis. Yeah, I know. That's the, like... So they have to focus on something and there'll be this instead of the Nazi thing. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's a head scratcher. Um, but I just had that question, so I'll let other people... Um, yeah, question. If anyone has any ideas, put it in the yeah. comments. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, Radical. Hi, Radical. Hello? Radical? Uh, unmute yourself by hitting the mic. No, you are unmuted, so just talk. Hello? Uh, okay, Radical, not sure where you are. So I'm going to go to Vicky, and then we'll go back to you. But right now, I can't hear you. All right. Hey, Vicky, unmute yourself. Uh, by the way, someone is saying that I never mentioned Russia's use of cluster bombs on Ukrainian civilians. No, uh, we did use mention that in uh, useful in our Thursday in our uh, Monday morning. The whole point is that we know that they use them. All right, but no one's talking about the fact that Ukraine uses them. Also, all right, Vicky, are you there? Unmute yourself. All right. Uh, I'm not sure where you are, so we're going to go with Nick, and then we can go back to you, Vicky. Hi, Nick. Unmute yourself. On Monday, never before 500 days. Well, we didn't talk about anyone using cluster bombs. So, yeah. There's that. 
Anyway, I'm not going to respond to this. Okay. No, my I've un I've figured out how to unmute. Great. And so, you know, this weekend I had a I had a lovely conversation going on with a close family friend and then it broke down to her yelling at me that I was delusional and uh, me yelling at her like, hey, San Diego, we can agree to disagree. But I was really blown away with the idea. She's a well-educated person, works uh, in, the, in middle America, Michigan, University of Michigan. Uh, she works in their statistical department. She's always been pretty whip smart. But I really had my feelings hurt. It was like, I've, I haven't witnessed this brokenness. And our, it came down to, she really, I said, I was, she asked me how excited I was about Cornell West running. And I told her, of course, I was very excited about him running and blah, blah, blah. Pretty soon it, we were arguing about Ukraine. And that's when she called me delusional. And I mean, I, I thought we were ready as a society to get to a certain point where we could actually talk about these things. But it just seems like one broken part of it just keeps happening over and over. I don't. Is there is there a tried, true, and tested formula that you use on your friends, Katie? I, I I listen to you, and I tried to tell her that the journalists that I pick and choose and listen to now are journalists, and she didn't buy that, and I just. Is there a secret that you use here to... But wait, tell me the problem that you're having with this person. Well, she called me pretty much that I'm using narrative talking points and I'm delusional about Ukraine from the side of I want peace. I don't want endless war. I want peace. I've been listening to a lot of different reporters trying to gain some sort of talking points that I can, that can further go down. I mean, it's not, it seems like I get stuck in a place where you just get called a name. Right. And I haven't, I haven't had it personally happen to me now. I haven't stuck my neck out a lot, but there have been moments with family and friends that I just get to this place. I mean, I'm just blown away. I just needed to talk to somebody about it. Maybe you can uh, do like a better help part in your program. <laughs> I don't know, but it's just I tell, don't. Tell Lev uh, Golinkin, journalist. What's that? You're breaking up, a little. Tell them to listen to Lev Golinkin, who is a Ukrainian journalist. Oh, what was the name again? Lev L E V Golinkin, G O L I A I N. Yeah, and I also want to be. You know, that's great. I appreciate that, and maybe I'll listen to him. Uh, so I can gain some more information. But, you know, it's hard when a person just cuts you off and just says all you're doing is talking points. Now, maybe she was projecting. Well, also, I don't know. Who are her, her talking points are the, they're going to be people who make arguments that line up with government's talking points. And hers line up, I'm sure, with the U.S. government talking points. Well, and I, I guess she was saying that the people I listen to, uh, you know, Chris Hedges, you, Matt Taibbi, uh, Aaron Monte, the Gray Zone. I mean, things that I find valuable and that are actual journalists. I mean, does that not resonate with... I mean, Rachel Maddow, she's an opinionist, right? I mean, these are, these are this isn't news that she's listening to. I mean, she is sounding just like Fox, sounding just like MSNBC, sounding just like CNN. I mean, it seems like it's all one big thing. 
And she's incredibly, legitimately afraid that Donald Trump is going to win the presidency again. Right. And me voting for Cornell is going to help that. And she asked me one really important thing, or I asked her one important thing. I said, what are you afraid of? And she's afraid of democracy coming to an end. And then that's when I kind of laughed and I said, well, well you that's, been a, that's been a consistent theme in a life. Why don't you just point out that Wait, democracy in Ukraine or, or where? She thinks that democracy is going to be ruined by Donald Trump. Oh. Like, it will come to an end. And I'm like, oh, darling, it's been coming to an end. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's just, I'm, it's, you know, I'm really grateful you're here. Uh, this is the first time I've actually talked to you, and I appreciate you being open to talking to a bunch of wackos like me. Uh, but I do feel a little, I just feel a little like the crazy makes me crazy. And it, I just wanted to check in to make sure I wasn't too delusional by calling a program like this. I mean, it is one-sided. You have very strong opinions, but you've always been balanced. Uh, you've never seemed to let uh, truth get in the way of uh, of being able to take a shot here and there on on social media. I mean, you've absorbed everything that that people have thrown at you because you stay true to who you are. And I'm living in a world where, like, all my family, friends, and people that I come in contact with—not all of them, but a lot of them—think uh, I'm crazy. Right. <laughs> but. I don't feel crazy. I, I do feel like the world's going kind of crazy, but I'm at end of life. And, you know, when we were talking about safety, I said, I don't feel unsafe about, you know, I pointed out to her that we have had things happen in our lives as we grow old. And we have experiences that make us grow as individuals. And we've been through too much to let a person like Trump scare us. What are we scared of? You know, that were we scared of the what? truth? Anyway, I, I, you kind of broke up a little bit. I'd love to let you talk, and I know you want to get other people on board. So thanks again for letting me talk, and I appreciate it. And I know I'm not alone. Yeah. Although you have some static in your background, so let's, we should try to fix that for next time. Um, my, what I said was that Trump is scary, but so are other people. God bless the workers. I Enough already. All right. <laughs> Have a good day. We're just guarding. Thanks, the, we're guarding the ivory tower. Bye. Bye. Okay. Nick. Let's get Nick. Hi, Nick. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Well, um, I just wanted to call in to say I also just really appreciate you know hearing your shows all the time, and I just wanted to. Um, Amen. What Nick just said, I think a lot of us in this, I guess you could say space, you know, feel the same way around with people around us that, you know, um, whatever type of source you have for things is always so heavily scrutinized and you get really pigeonholed into this, like, you know, oh, you're listening to gross stuff. And that's why you have bad ideas when, I mean, they're, often, you know, listening to U.S. talking points on 
more official channels and refuse to see it as its own type of propaganda and overlook whenever there's huge glaring mistakes and misinformation that ends up kind of coming out. It's like that whole thing where the footnote that's like the correction is in small print and it doesn't go anywhere. But then the initial lie that spreads so far, it's remembered forever. You know, we saw that again and again in the last couple of years and certain people, you know, are just always going to make you sound crazy for, you know, um, yeah. And so I, I just, just wanted to say like, he's definitely not alone on that. And it makes just talking about things really difficult and annoying. And I'm reminded of, you know, the, the phrase, the ick factor that, you know, I remember I was a fan of Tulsi Gabbard's presidency campaign and, you know, the run up to 2020, she was kind of like the most sane sounding candidate for a little bit there. And she had the ick factor more than almost anybody um, ever I've seen, you know, with just a lot of articles that just didn't really have anything but insinuations. Um, and I think it's really powerful. And I mean, Katie, I'm sure you've experienced it too with doing real reporting is that you get like really bad press that doesn't really seem to say anything, just ties you to gross, bad stuff, you know? Um, yeah. so you know, that's all I wanted to say. And, um, yeah, I mean, keep, uh, keep doing the show. I, I was looking on YouTube this morning and I was like, no, where is it? You know? And then I checked your Twitter and saw this. So, you know, I, I just really appreciate your work here and I, I've always really enjoyed, um, the Monday mornings. So yeah. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. Let's see. How do I get back to, um, hold on one second. Media fails. Ah, where is it? Sorry. Okay. Radical. Oh, cute dog, Nick, by the way. It's a really cute dog. Hey, Radical. I see you unmuted yourself. Are you going to make a question? Can you make some noise, though? Nick, your dog is so cute. Wow. Oh, what kind of dog is that? He's so cute. He or she. Um... Okay, Radical, I'm not sure what's happening because you're unmuted, which is good. You need to be unmuted, but I can't hear you. It's funny because you have a, a chimpanzee covering up his eyes, but really it should be covering up the mouth because we can't hear you. All right, well, guys, this has been a great call-in. Uh, really sorry, uh, uh, Radical, that not sure what's happening. I see you say sorry again. Is there some issue with your sound? Um, I will see you guys next week. Oh, wait, Jonathan. Okay. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Hey, I, uh, oh, I did, on... I... my guest tonight is Glenn Green. Yeah. One second though. Let me just, sorry. Someone wrote in the thing who is on your, um, who is on your show tomorrow night. It's Glenn Greenwald talking about, uh, David Miranda, his late husband and his life and legacy. So definitely tune in for that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to keep you if you got somewhere to be. I just uh, wanted to say compliments on uh, on Friday's guest. I know you probably recorded that interview ages ago, but uh, it's. Uh, I think that was an important uh, 
an important subject to bring up. And wait, sorry, uh, which, which I, guest for which show? Uh, from from uh, Useful Idiots. Oh yeah, yeah, Nora Erica. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that, because I I do think one of the most important things that needs to be debunked while the iron is hot, and I think people are receptive to that message, is that attacks like that are not acts of self-defense, which is what right. their official position is. That it's literally, um, you know, it sounds cliche. Who didn't yeah, hear we're talking. We had on Nora Erekat, a Palestinian human rights attorney and professor, and she was talking about um, uh, what the attacks against Janine. Yeah, and Janine in particular, um, you know, that it, it sounds cliche, but it, it literally is, uh, you know, collective punishment. It's right. it's like, uh, you know, retribution. It's it's uh, it's just it's meant to suppress and demoralize and and hurt and right. you know keep in line. And that's like I think that's an important thing that I think people can see now. There hasn't been any kind of real conflict or or suicide bombing or anything like that in years and years and years. And yet they're still going in there heavy. Uh, and, you know, the notion that they're fighting militants at this point is is patently ludicrous. Like they can see that's not what they're doing. They're just hurting yeah. people. And like, I don't know, I thought she did a very good job articulating that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I also wanted to say, um, having been waiting for ages for the, uh, the show with, uh, you and Brianna Joy Gray, that was some of the best two hours of content I've heard in ages. Hey. And I was just like, it was everything I thought it would be. And then some, it was perfect. Wow. Like I, I really do hope one of these days you guys start a show together. Yeah. I know it'd be really fun. So, yeah, thanks for that. Thank you. And that's all I got this week. Well, thank you, John. That's that's a great, that's great. What you got is great. So, very appreciate it. Um, thank you. Thank you, and thanks for being an EMT. Welcome. All right, everyone. So, thanks so much for, for joining, for coming to the show, and we will see you next week. Bye.